0: Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I want to take a moment. I want to welcome all of our VU friends and family who are joining us by way of YouTube or the podcast. Could make some noise for all of our friends who are part of our extended family. If you have a Bible tonight, go ahead and reach for it with me to Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to be camping out in that chapter this evening. So glad that you are in church. So happy that we are here together. Uh, We're continuing a collection of talks entitled, Asking for a Friend. And tonight, my assignment, I want to preach to you from the topic, Four Secrets of a Secure Woman. (laughs) This is part two of a collection that we began last week called Asking for a Friend. And Really, the premise of the entire collection is all things relationships. I don't know what it is, but when it comes to relationships, I think sometimes we feel like we've got more questions than we have answers. And many times, the questions can make us feel deficient. What I've learned is any area of your life that you feel deficient in is prone to shame. When it comes to things like identity, sex, dating, marriage, there's a lot of shame that shows up. Maybe you're here tonight and you have some shame thinking going on. Uh, in a room this size with people that are joining us by way of online, there's a lot of thoughts that go through our minds that are, that are shame thoughts. Things like, oh man, how come nobody ever asks me out, I think something's wrong with me. It's shame thinking. How come um, I can't figure out how to make my relationship with my spouse work, maybe I'll just not talk about it and then somehow it'll get better. How come that turns me on? You know what, Shh. I know I'm not supposed to feel that way, so let's be silent because if I just get quiet enough, then maybe the feelings and urges will go away. Man, I'm telling you, somehow I've lowered my standards so many different times. I think I ought to just go in this direction because I'm never, ever going to become more than what I am today. It's called shame thinking. My wife and I, we, we can't communicate, therefore we must not be compatible. I ought to get out of this relationship because what I really need is I need a new partner. It's shame thinking. Let me tell you how you know when shame is in your life. Shame is always running and it's always hiding. Any area of your life that wants to run or wants to hide is probably dealing with some shame. This collection is about you and I understanding that we cannot live in hiding. Listen to me. Anything that's left hidden will remain unhealthy. You'll always be as sick as your secrets. And the point of this collection is for you and I to push each other, to challenge each other, to come out of hiding, and to declare loud and clear, I'm not asking for a friend, yo, I'm asking for me. I I need some help. I want to encourage us, before we even get into the content tonight, that this is a house of grace. This is not a house of shame. This is not a house of condemnation. We actually believe that 2,000 years ago on a cross, Jesus Christ defeated death, sin, and even your shame. What does that mean practically? What that means practically is that you are not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by your desires. You're not defined by your proclivities. You're not defined by your tendency. You're not defined by your urges. You're not defined by your sin. You're not defined by your issues. You are defined by the grace of God. You, my friend, are a child of God. He doesn't want to harm you. He wants to help you. We don't have to live in hiding. We can come out of hiding. We can step into the light boldly and confidently knowing that our God is not going to hurt us. He's going to help us. I'm asking for me tonight because I got questions, and I believe God's word holds some answers. For many years, I've preached around this topic of relationships, and over and over again, I've said this line, and I'm going to stick to it, and you need to learn this line because it's the truth. Healthy relationships are made up of healthy individuals. Every relationship in your life starts with you. If you're actually ever going to have a healthy marriage, if that's your desire, it will first require a healthy man and a healthy woman. The goal in life is not perfection. The goal is progress. In fact, I don't even like that word goal. I like us to have a different type of mindset, not a goal mindset, a growth mindset. Because if you have a goal, there's always a finish line. But if you're committed to growth, you just continue to become. Health doesn't have a finish line. When you get married, you got to go on the journey of becoming even healthier than how you started. Can I get a witness out there if I'm preaching to anybody in the room? I wrote it down this week. You'll never be all that you can be collectively until you are who you're called to be individually. It starts with you. And so last week, I asked my wife, Dawn Cherie, to come up and to preach to all the men on what it looks like to be a godly man according to God's word. Can we put our hands together and thank God for Don Cherie and the sermon that she brought? And tonight, my assignment is to preach to all the women. I'm nervous, y'all. Your boy needs some help. My hope in preaching to the girls tonight is yes, to give all the women in this house a vision of what God says you are to become, but I also want every man in this room to hear it because I believe there's going to be some men in this room that are going to raise some daughters. I want you to speak the right things over your daughters. There's some men that already have some wives. I want you to know how to speak life to your wife. There's some dudes that are looking right now. I want to make sure you understand what it looks like to find and discover a secure, strong woman of god is there anybody out there who wants some secrets to security go ahead and give god some praise i want to start by giving you two basic disclaimers very very important a lot of people from different walks of life some people from um, different churches different types of things that they believe about the bible i want to make sure you understand what we believe here at vu church disclaimer number one women aren't less than men Girls, I'm going to need so much more help out of you tonight. I mean, like. <clears throat> this is low-hanging fruit. Just grab it, bro. <laughs> now, this is very, very biblical. I don't just make that statement. The scripture says that God created man from dirt. <laughs> Named him Adam. Adam. And Adam had a role and responsibility. He was given dominion over a garden. The garden was known as Eden. God gave him a mission, name all the animals. Adam started out in his mission and it only took God a little bit of time to look down at man and say, yo, this ain't good. It is not good for man to be alone. Get this, bro. Do some help ASAP. (laughs) And from his rib, he created Eve, and Eve was known as a helpmate. Ladies, hear me. Guys need help. All the men of God with me, just say, help. Uh, (laughs) help. Don Shriek, help me help you. I want you to understand that there's not a single category of my life that my wife has not helped me in. Not a single category. She has been a constant help to my life. Eve was not taken from Adam's feet because women are not beneath men. Eve was not taken from Adam's head because women are not above men but rather Eve was taken from his side because women and men are supposed to walk side by side in <laughs> partnership, fulfilling the mission God has given them. There's like this false narrative that's running around church that many times you'll hear people make little jokes. Oh, if it wasn't for women, there wouldn't be sin. Okay, that's a false narrative started by, guess who? A man. <laughs> Remember Adam and Eve, they, they sinned they ate the fruit, and right away, what happened? Shame entered the equation. They recognized for the first time that they're naked. What does shame do? Shame runs and hides. They went and hid from God. God comes and finds them and says, yo, Adam, why did you eat the fruit? And Adam was like, yo, um, the woman made me do it. <laughs> and that was the start of every man for the rest of history blaming women for all of their problems. The Bible actually says that sin entered the world through one man i know i'm not supposed to preach to the guys because that happened last week but i'm here tonight and um <laughs> the big problem that we have right now with men in 2020 is a whole lot of men in 2021 authority but they don't want to couple it with responsibility You, you, you can't have the first without the second. It is a tragedy to watch so many men declare and behave like they deserve authority, but they don't understand that with great authority comes great responsibility. Let me preach to the men for a moment in our church. Bro, if you are a man to bring a baby into this world, you better be a man to take care of that baby. There is an epidemic in our nation right now men starting families leaving their families not even paying child support What kind of a man is that? I get to do couple counseling sometimes you don't want me to couple counsel you I'll talk to these dudes dudes will walk in like bro. I just don't know why she won't submit to me I'm like, well, let's start with the basic question. Would you submit to you? dude, if you can't lead yourself, why would you expect anybody else to follow? Ladies, let me just pass to you for a moment. Do not submit to any man who claims to have authority, but he won't match it with responsibility. Don't do it. You don't owe him anything. The Bible does not say women submit to men. The Bible says women submit to your Husband. That's like one dude. Uno. You'll never submit to somebody that you don't respect. Honor is given, respect is earned. You see, see, women aren't less than men. What I want you to see, I know this sounds like so basic, but disclaimer, disclaimer number two, women are different from men. That's a polarizing almost statement to make even in 2020. And I want to be sensitive to everybody in the room, but the scriptures are very, very clear that God created us male and female. Now, the fact that he created us male and female indicates to you and I that there are differences amongst us. If he wanted us all to be alike, he would have created us exactly the same. But I actually believe our differences shouldn't divide us and shouldn't cause us to disrespect one another, but rather our differences should be celebrated. We should recognize that our differences are what makes us stronger, what makes us better, what makes us more powerful. See, you see a public version of me, but you don't understand that the only way I'm able to be the public version of me is first by being the private version of me with my wife. My wife lets me lead. My wife has chosen to submit to my leadership. My wife has recognized that we have different roles in our marriage, and she says, Rich, I trust your leadership, therefore I will follow you. Just because she submits to me doesn't mean that she allows me to walk all over her. In fact, you'd be crazy to try to walk all over Don. She will cut you, okay? Like... We're different, and our differences should be celebrated. We should recognize that it's our differences when they come together that make us so powerful, that we're better together. What we need in 2020 is we need some men who know how to be men, and we need some women who know how to be women. Come on, is there anybody in this room who hears what I'm talking about? As you read the book of Proverbs, it was written by a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon is arguably the wisest man to ever live the earth in spiritual settings as well as secular settings. And over and over again, when Solomon refers to wisdom, he always refers to wisdom from the female gender. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you girls, you have the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is not simply knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to know what to do with the knowledge. I don't make any big decision in my house without first consulting my wisdom, my wife. Proverbs 31 is towards the end of the book, and Proverbs 31 is probably the most notably known chapter in the Bible that describes and paints a picture of a strong, secure woman of God, and it's there to give us a picture of who girls are to become. I love it as the writer writes in Proverbs 31, verse 29, it sums it up. He says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. I wonder if there's any girls in the room that want to know how to surpass them all. God's word holds the keys and the secrets to you walking in security, not in certain seasons, but every season. Tonight, I want to show you four secrets to success found in Proverbs 31, Secret number one, I want you to write this down. Demand increases when supply decreases. Girls, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this before, but hear me tonight. The best thing you got going for you is you. There is no one else on the planet like you. To quote the psalmist, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were sculpted and created by the world's greatest artist, God quit criticizing God's work quit putting yourself down quit wishing you looked like someone else quit wishing you had someone else's life quit being counseled by the culture quit listening to the world quit hearing what society says about you start listening to what God says about you Quit putting your body on display. Quit lowering your standards. Why? Because when you learn how much you're worth, you will quit giving people discounts. Demand increases when supply decreases. Insecurity is loud. Confidence is quiet. You don't have to prove your worth. Your worth will prove you. Watch what the writer says, verse 10, chapter 31. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. I don't know if you see it, but it just jumps out of the passage that your greatest value is your character. Character is produced in trials and tribulations. There is no fast track to character. The only way you get character is by going deep into the valley, going into moments and seasons of suffering, going through points of pain and choosing to be patient and to wait on God, trusting that God, although you can't see it on the outside, is doing something on the inside. It's called character development. And according to this passage, it's your character that makes you so valuable. Notice what the scripture says. A wife of noble character, who can find? Everyone say find. This is very important that you see this. Ladies, hear me. You're not less than men. You're different from men. You were created to be found. At times it feels like you're hidden. It's because you were designed to be discovered. Another passage of scripture says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Meaning the responsibility of a man is to find you. What happens to so many women, I want you to hear this tonight because this is so important you hear this. What happens to so many women is their desire for security tempts them into doing the man's job. Oh, I'm coming. (laughs) It's not your job to find him. It's his job to find you. And so if you start the relationship doing his work, you're going to have to sustain the relationship doing his work. Okay, I'm going to stop talking to single people. Let me talk to married people. Because you ought to stand up and testify that you've already experienced this. There are women in this room right now, and you resent your husband. And the reason why you resent your husband is because your husband is not leading. But before you go and blame him, you ought to take a hard look in the mirror and look at yourself. You ought to blame yourself as much as you blame him. The reason why you resent him and the reason why he's not leading is because you allowed him not to work. Your desire for security expedited and crippled his development process as a man. Your desire for security created a deficiency inside of him. Now you're sitting back 10 years later, getting a revelation about what a good man looks like, and now you're resenting him? Yo, if he didn't have to work to get you, why would he ever work to keep you? I'm trying to preach to some ladies in this room make that man work make that man chase you make that man come and find you you're taking shortcuts you don't know the long-term results you'll be facing you don't see the resentment in 10 years you don't see the judgment in 15 years make him work Ladies, I'm telling you, there will always be moments in life that people are unable to see your worth. Just don't let it be you. Know your worth. Know your value. My wife, um, in Proverbs 31, it talks about a Proverbs 31 woman that, that she's praised by her husband, that she's bragged on by her husband. So let me just brag on my wife. My wife might be one of the most secure, not women, secure human beings that I know. And it's the credit's not to me. Because when I met my wife, she was secure. When I met my wife, she knew her value. One of the great observations that I've learned watching my wife's life is that so much of her security and value came from her earthly father. In fact, when I met Don Cherie, it's like I had to work extra hard. I'd be like, girl, <laughs> you're incredible. She's like, I already know. I'm like, that usually works, you know? (laughs) I'm like, girl, you're amazing. I already know. You're beautiful. I already know that too. How do you know? Because my daddy told me so. Oh my God. (laughs) she had an earthly father who was speaking over her life and placing value and worth on her, that when some dude came around, it wasn't gonna be some slick words that were gonna actually grab her attention, but rather it was gonna be the work and the action and the pursuit of me finding her. (laughs) See, I know in a room this size, and I know people that are joining us right now, whether you're in your car, whether you're at work, whether you're listening to this in your earbuds, at a workout, I know there's people in this room that that's not your story. And there's no judgment there. It's just, that's not your story. There's so many women that I meet, and I'm not trying to be cliche or snarky or funny, but there's so many women that are dealing with daddy issues that you so longed for the voice of a father You so longed for a man to say you're accepted and you're approved and you're beautiful and to place value on you, but you never had it for some reason or not. And so as you've grown older, what you've done is you've gone looking for love in all the wrong places, and you look to some boy, and you've expected him to take the place of your dad. And they can never fill that void. I want to encourage you tonight. You might not have had an earthly dad, but I'm telling you tonight... You got a great heavenly father. And your heavenly father looks down from heaven and he places value on you. He says, I see you and I love you and I have a plan for you. So you can patiently wait for the right guy to find you because Jesus already found you. Do not discount what God paid in full for Demand increases when supply decreases. Just because somebody desires you doesn't mean they value you. See, so if you're not careful, you'll turn this into some like singles talk. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is singles talk. It's for all the single people, purity. I know that message. Now, we talk to the married people. It's the same principle in marriage. How many of you know the fact that my wife is not available to anyone else makes me want her even more? Can I pastor our church? If you're a guest, we're so grateful you're here. But married couples that are followers of Jesus that love God's word, it is a grave mistake to bring other people into your bedroom because you think that's going to turn your other partner on. Let me just let me just tell you. Let me just let me just tell you because maybe no one ever told you. It is a grave mistake to bring pornography into the bedroom to get your partner excited. I'm not I'm not listen, I'm not even arguing ethics with you. We're talking economics. It's not logical to think for me to give my wife a new appetite and to supply her with other things that somehow as I supply her with all these other appetites that somehow she'll have a demand for me. Protect your marriage, protect your home. You don't need every man wanting you. You need the right man to want you. Just giving some secrets. Secret number two, secret to security number two, adding value makes you more valuable. Adding value makes you more valuable. Secure people are always looking for moments and opportunities to add value to other people. Listen to me, selfishness sabotages relationships. You have to shift from a get mindset to a give mindset. The moment I need something from you, the moment I'm trying to get something from you is the moment I stop giving something to you. And the moment I stop giving something to you is the moment I stop adding value to your life. See, just because you're an asset doesn't mean that you're appreciating. I wonder, are you depreciating? Are you better this time, this year, than you were last year? Have you become a liability? See, woman of God, you need to carry a spirit of excellence. You need to recognize that any situation, any circumstance that you walk into, you leave that place better than how you found it. You ought to see your presence as a present. You ought to look at your life saying, I am a gift to anybody who comes in contact with me. Do you see yourself, your life as a gift? Are you a gift to your coworkers? Are you a gift to your friends, to your siblings? Are you a gift to your parents? Are you a gift to your children? Are you a gift to your husband? I'm constantly working on this. I'm like, Don Tree, I want to be a gift to you. Come and unwrap me, girl. <laughs> you guys are stupid. Anyways, um, Proverbs 31, verse 11. If you don't like Ratchet, come at 10 a.m. Proverbs chapter. Thirty-one. Eleven. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Watch this. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. All the men say amen. Look at this. This woman is adding value to the man's life. How much value? She constantly, all the days of her life, is bringing him good and not harm. And the verse before it says, because of it, he lacks nothing of value. Why? Because his greatest valuable thing is his partner, is his spouse, because she just constantly is adding to his life. It's like the goose who lays golden eggs. What's more valuable, the golden eggs or the goose that lays them? You have the opportunity to add value. And you say, well, okay, I'm just really, I just want to make sure I get this sermon right. What is my distinct competency in this category? Um, it's not that confusing. I just want to know, how do I add, how do you add value? Look at what it said. He has complete confidence in her. The way you add value to people's life is you create confidence in people's lives. Okay, but how do I, okay, wait, how do I create confidence? It's really simple. Live a trustworthy life what? Trustworthy, worthy of trust. Well, how do you get trust? Trust comes two ways, time and the truth. And ladies, let me just be as frank as I possibly can. What a man needs is he needs somebody that he can be vulnerable with and he can share the truth. And he must know that as he gives the truth, he's going to receive back the truth. You have to walk with the revelation that those who know the truth, well, I'm telling you what, it's the truth that will set you free. And anybody who's walking in truth understands this premise that you can tell a thousand truths, but one lie can destroy it all. You gotta fall in love with the truth. You gotta live a life that's worthy of trust because when you live a life that's worthy of trust, you add value, which makes you more valuable. It's amazing because what the devil loves to do is the devil loves to take your greatest gift and turn it into your your greatest weakness. I was doing some research this week and I discovered that girls, you speak on an average every single day 20,000 words. (laughs) That's impressive. The first book I wrote only has 40,000 words. (laughs) I could have hung out with you and you could have wrote that in two days. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you speak 7,000 words every day. (laughs) A little bit different. Girls have the gift to communicate. My wife, she cracks me up because she'll come home and she'll be like, Rich, I'm telling you what, (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) No, (laughs) babe, today was crazy. (laughs) Any thoughts? Awesome. not less than we're just different but what the enemy loves to do is he loves to take your gift and turn it into your weakness there's no doubt that adam in the garden was responsible but yo it always takes two to tango i think eve had some responsibility in it too remember she's just walking through the garden and the snake comes by so eve (laughs) did god really say not to eat this fruit And Eve's like, I can't really remember. (laughs) She eats the fruit. And then Adam walks up. By by the way, like, we we are all very judged. I was very judgmental towards Adam earlier. Let's just be honest. I come home. My wife is in the bedroom naked eating fruit. Your boy's joining, okay? Um, (laughs) Okay. Count me in. Oh, what is that? A mango? Okay. Um, like, I'm, hashtag no judgment here. Um. She do. She doesn't communicate truth. Instead, she manipulates a lie. And girls, one of your constant challenges to adding value will be: Can you take your gift and communicate truth, or will you manipulate a lie? Because sometimes we don't even know we're doing this. I'm, once again, I'm pastoring our church for a minute because I know there's guests here, and so I'm trying to speak into the life of our church and and the generalizations and things that come my way. I just want to try to speak to the singles because sometimes you girls, you don't recognize it, but sometimes you create false narratives. Sometimes you don't even know it, but you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, and you've got a double standard. Just, I, just want to be, I want you to be careful because it is a pitfall of the enemy in your life. <clears throat> I'll talk to girls at church, and you'll, you'll hear this kind of thing at church. There's, a, there's girls in our church that they'll like a guy, but that guy maybe hasn't shown any type of real um, acknowledgement or interest, hasn't been direct with that girl. So what does that girl do? She walks away and she complains. She's like... <laughs> can't even believe it. All the guys at Voo Church are shady. (laughs) Chivalry is dead at Voo Church. Guys are always playing games at Voo Church. What's interesting is there's another guy that that she doesn't like. But this guy is very direct. Yo, can I take you to coffee on Monday? Yo, what crew do you go to? I'd love to bring you a gift. That same girl will walk away and ridicule him and say, ooh, guys at Blue are creepy. Always in my personal space. I felt unsafe. You gotta be careful, woman of God, because if you're gonna criticize the guy you like for not being direct, you can't go ahead and criticize the guy you don't like for being so direct. It's a double standard. You got to decide what is it you actually believe? It's a false narrative. And it's important because the story you tell yourself will be the life that you live. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Girls, don't use your most powerful weapon and gift to communicate and let the enemy turn it into your weakness. Don't complain. You know what complaining is? Complaining is when you talk about a problem with no intent of solving the problem. Stop gossiping. You know what gossiping is? It's when you're sharing half-truths and you're reporting other people's news. Stop criticizing and slandering others. Why do we do it? We do it to tear other people down so that we can feel better about ourselves. But I'm here to preach to some secure women. I'm here to speak some confidence that you are not called to look like the world. You're called to speak truth. And when you speak truth, you're going to be a person who adds value. And when you add value, you become valuable. Secret number three. Thank you, Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Who's a guy? Um, Secret number three. Worrying is betting against God. Worrying is betting against God. As you read Proverbs 31 over and over again, you see that this woman is secure and strong. But what I have learned is that you don't become strong by avoiding your fears. You become strong by facing your fears. Ladies, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. Don't give up. Don't you dare quit. Keep on smiling. Make everybody around you wonder what it is that you've got on the inside of you. You are strong. You're not going to waste your time worrying. Because when you worry, you know what it is? Worry is all of your faith in reverse. We only get so much of an imagination. Why would you spend any of it? on creating a world of negativity. When I worry, what I'm indicating is going, God, I don't trust you. I trust myself more than you. And if it's up to me, I'm never gonna be able to get through this. I would say one of the strongest people I've ever met in my entire life is my mother. It's not that my mother is, not, is, is perfect. My mom has got weaknesses and shortcomings, but she is a strong human being. She raised four boys all on her own. My, my dad was an itinerant preacher And he would travel five days out of the week for 20 years. And in the Pacific Northwest, she had four boys under her roof, one of which was disabled. And somehow she managed to get us all into church every week, had us at midweek service, had us in every sports thing. I I I can't even think about a moment from my childhood, even though my mom was working full time, that somehow she was absent in my life. She was constantly present. I watched my mom and my dad in their late 40s leave their comfort zone of the Pacific Northwest out of a conviction and a calling from God to move their entire family to Miami, Florida, where they didn't know a single soul to lead an inner city urban church. And when I think about my mom, it's not that my mom wasn't afraid. It's not that my mom didn't feel fear. It's that my mom made a decision to say, we're not going to let worry be the culture of our home. My wife, my my, my mom and my wife, but my, my mom reminds me of Proverbs 31 verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. You can't go find that outfit at the mall can't walk into Bloomingdale's tomorrow and go, okay, I'm looking for a skirt that says dignity and a blouse that says strength. (laughs) The only way you get clothed in strength and dignity is when you face your fear and declare, I'm not backing down, I'm not running away, I'm not hiding, I'm moving forward. And she laughs without fear of the future. That verse is so dope. (laughs) She laughs without fear of the future. I think one of the greatest fears that we have in life is the fear of the future. And the fear of the future causes us to worry. And there's girls in this room that when you look at your life, it's like, do you really want the soundtrack of your life to be worry? You're single, oh my goodness, I just don't think I'll ever get married. No one's ever, I'm getting older. Oh my goodness, I'm 25, I'm so old. No one's ever, I'm 30, I'm so, I'm 35. Oh, there's no one, all of a sudden you get married. Oh, that was great. (laughs) New worry, oh my goodness, how are we gonna pay our bills? Or will we ever get a house? Will we ever get an apartment? I've always wanted a house with a picket fence. If I just had one house with two bedrooms, I'd be so happy. You get a house, oh wow, that's great. I know we'll never be able to have kids. Kids, oh, I want kids so bad. I don't think I'll ever get them. You get kids. Oh, wow. How will I ever get my kids into school? How will I ever get my kids into elementary? Do you know how hard it is to get into elementary school in Miami? It's very difficult. They go to elementary school. Well, junior high, junior high is going to be much different. They're going to get, I know they're going to get bullied. I know they're going to get bullied. They're probably going to get sick and bullied. They make it to high school, oh my goodness, how will they ever graduate, how will they ever graduate? SATs, ACTs, all these tests, it's too many tests, the education system's all wrong, that's so scary. (laughs) They get into college, oh my goodness, will they ever graduate, will they, I don't know if they're ever gonna graduate. They graduate, oh my goodness, will they ever move out of my house, will they ever move out of my house, they're never gonna move out of my house. (laughs) Do you really want the soundtrack of your life to be worry, to worry, to worry? (laughs) You're not called to move from worry to worry to worry. You're called to move from strength to strength, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. Oh, the soundtrack of a secure woman's life is laughter not because life is always funny, but rather because you have discovered a principle that your joy doesn't come from circumstances and your happiness doesn't come from situations, but rather the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm moving into the future, and I'm gonna laugh my way into it. Come on, somebody give him praise. I'm gonna laugh my way into the future. It's the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. You know what I've learned? I've learned that many times people are afraid of the future because of pain from the past. I've learned that many times people are living out of a wound. And many times we can't move forward with confidence and faith because of past pain. I'm not making light out of all that you've gone through. I just know this. I just know that life won't wait on the wounded. So often what happens to us is a moment in life takes place where we did something or someone did something. And this moment, which was supposed to be a moment, was supposed to be a season, becomes the definition of our story. It was a scene, not the story. And so often, if, if you don't learn how to heal, what you'll do over and over and over again is you will hurt people in the process. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that expression? Hell has no fury like a woman scorned. The only way to get rid of pain like that is through one word. It's called forgiveness. Many times the forgiveness starts with you forgiving yourself been preaching it all night tonight but like this is not a house of shame my heart breaks around this topic because there's so many that feel so ashamed so wounded hiding and running and it's not god's plan for your life forgive yourself start again it's not too late to start again tonight's a good night maybe it's someone some person you need to forgive Maybe it's someone who's hurt you, someone who's harmed you. I'm not making light out of it. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is never easy, but forgiveness is always worth it. And when it comes to forgiveness, what I know, and people don't teach this enough, but when you forgive, somebody always has to pay. That's why God didn't just say, I forgive you. you got to understand that. There's there's good theology here. God didn't just forgive you. God said, I forgive you. And the way I'm going to forgive you is someone has to pay. In this case, it will be my son, Jesus. So Jesus went to a cross because the wages of sin, the wages of shame is death. And Jesus says, okay, I'll die your death. I'll pay the price to forgive you. What I know so confidently is this, is that to heal a wound, you need to stop touching it. Tonight's a good night let it go. Woman of God, you're called to security. And every time you worry, you're betting against God. And many times you're worrying because of a past incident. Why not let it go and trust God and forgive? The future really is bright. Secret to security number one, demand increases where supply decreases. Secret number two, When you add value, you become valuable. Secret number three, worrying is betting against God. And secret number four, it's the only way I know how to close. Beauty is fleeting. Jesus is lasting. (laughs) I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychologist. I am an old school preacher of the gospel. And all I got is really one message. His name is Jesus. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30, watch it. It says this. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We we live in a weird world, man. This is the anti-aging generation. The goal is to stay young. I wonder how many people we are stripping one of the greatest badges of honor, which is simply age. Wrinkles aren't ugly, wrinkles are beautiful every wrinkle is another line of wisdom gray hair isn't ugly gray hair is beautiful it indicates to me that this isn't your first rodeo it tells me that you've been through some stuff it tells me that you got some good counsel it tells me you can help me in my season of life newsflash we're all dying so encouraging bro <laughs> you're gonna die and before you die you're dying to die cells are falling off your body right now a part of you will stay in this auditorium <laughs> Somebody like i don't know science yeah just read <laughs> what's he talking about Every one of us, we're at war with gravity. If you come to this church, you know I advocate for health. You know I believe in in holding ourselves and looking good on the outside. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But my concern is, is that we're putting more stock in the temporary than we are in the eternal. And last time I checked, the gospel is not an outside-in work, the gospel is an inside-out work. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's not that she's scared of God, but rather she knows where her awe and wonder belong. I am not in awe of myself. I am not in awe of others, but rather I am in awe of the God who created me. We need a generation that rises up that isn't obsessed with their self-image, but would become obsessed with their Jesus image. Get over yourself, but never get over him because the outward is fleeting, but Jesus is is lasting. It's a bummer. You can't Botox your soul. There's only one thing that can fill your soul. His name is Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. A lot of things I could tell you about my wife that's attractive, but I got to be honest with you, the most attractive thing about my wife is that I know that my wife is more in love with Jesus than she is Rich Wilkerson Jr. It's the greatest gift that she can give me because it produces a confidence inside of me that God forbid I was to die somehow young at this age. I know my wife, she would grieve. I know my wife would be sad, but I got a firm confidence in my wife that the foundation of her life is on the solid rock known as Jesus Christ. Therefore, I believe she would rise up and she would laugh all her way into her future because she's not completed by me. She doesn't find security in a spouse. She finds security in a savior. Our first love is Jesus, the one who fills and fulfills our soul. Oh, if you desire to have a spouse, I hope you get one. But I pray that before you ever get that spouse, you have already found security in a savior. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Voo and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.